Ah, yes. Welcome to MLB Morning Coffee on a Monday morning from the Ocean Avenue studios in San Francisco, California. My name is Greg Moraz, and thank you for tuning in today. Make sure that you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. It helps out our metrics tremendously. Appreciate everybody that has become a loyal listener. And if you've not yet become a loyal listener, I hope that you do become one. I did the two short episodes on the weekend because I just was not in the best frame of mind, quite frankly, to talk about baseball. And I felt like I needed to make sure I got you a little bit of content. But we're going to get you a full episode today, back to the normal format. And I feel like this is a good time to go back to our normal format because we have a lot of things to talk about in this opening segment. Two things mainly. The first is going to be Zach Plesak. The second, the fight that occurred between the Astros and the A's. Now, I'm going to contrast the first thing with the news that came out on Sunday that the Cardinals, because of an additional positive test, their upcoming series against the Pirates was canceled. So they're going to have to play 55 games in 46 days now. And the reason why is that a couple of people not following protocol, the Cardinals can put out whatever story that they want. But when you have an infection that is that large at this point, and you didn't isolate the individuals at the proper time, this is what's going to happen. And the Cardinals are in a situation where they might have to replace the entire roster and they are running out of time to play games. They are not going to be able to make up the amount of games that is necessary to have a full season. Can you take the Cardinals out of play? I don't think so. But they're going to have to make up way too many games and have way too many doubleheaders in a short amount of time. Effectively... By not following the rules, you have jeopardized yourself and the other teams that are affected by this, which are, at this point, the Pirates, the Tigers, the Brewers, and the Cubs, and potentially more. I don't understand why people just can't get this through their head. You've got to follow these rules more stringently. That's why MLB put in these compliance officers. And that leads us to Zach Plesak who was sent home by the Indians because he, a Crown Point Indiana native, which is just outside of Chicago, went out with his friends on Saturday night in Chicago. Indians found out about it, suspended him from the team, and made him drive back to Cleveland in a rental car. By the way, I have done that drive. That is eight hours. That is punishment enough for what he did. But basically, you have seen outbreaks on the Marlins and the Phillies. It should have been clear. To everybody on the additional 28 teams that you cannot step out of line if you want this season to continue. You can't. And Zach Plesak doing what he did because he wanted to hang out with his buddies is absolutely inexcusable. It's a microcosm of society right now. People cannot put their selfish interests aside for the greater good of society. Zach Plesak let his teammates down. And I don't know when he's going to get to pitch again because who knows what he contracted. I wouldn't be surprised if in two days he comes back positive for COVID. Just stupid. Absolutely stupid. And if you wonder why I was skeptical about baseball coming back in the first place, this is why. Because people can't control themselves. Now, I've been on the player's side for pretty much every single issue that has come up during COVID. But this is one where it is on the players to follow the rules. You have to be able to dig deep into your own will and make the right decision. And Zach Plesak did not. And the old saying goes, a few apples spoil the whole bunch. And right now, Zach Plesak 
is the prime example of what that saying epitomizes. We don't know how the outbreak necessarily spread from one guy to many with the Marlins and the Cardinals. We know some of the specific individuals now, but we don't know how that chain of transmission effectively came to be. But what we do know is this. Zach Plesak has been publicly shamed for going out and hanging out with his friends and then coming back to the hotel where he potentially could have infected his entire team. And there could have been an outbreak with the Indians. So the fact that they sent him home, good on you, Cleveland. But again, if you wonder why I was so skeptical about baseball coming back, it is the inability of people to get out of their own way and put their selfish interests aside for the greater good of your teammates, for the greater good of society. You want to see baseball keep going? Stuff like this can't happen, period. And if it takes a public shaming of Zach Plesak to get that message across to the rest of Major League Baseball, then so be it. My next issue is somewhat of a COVID issue and more of a what-the-hell-are-you-doing issue. So I don't know, and we're going to start off with the Astros and the A's as our first recap of the day. But Ramon Laureano got hit for the second time by Humberto Castellanos. In the three-game series, it was the fifth time an Astros pitcher had plunked an Oakland A. And so Ramon Laureano has some words for Castellanos. He walks down to first base, and then all of a sudden, he starts talking with Alex Cintron, the hitting coach for the Astros, who, by the way, was involved in the sign-stealing scandal and was not punished for it. He's John with Cintron. They're both speaking in Spanish. They are both Latin American. And all of a sudden, Ramon Laureano charges the dugout, and an all-out melee ensues, which during COVID, where you're not supposed to be touching anybody, that can't happen. Now, all of those players, as far as we know, are negative. But if they're potentially asymptomatic carriers, who knows what's going to happen? You saw how close everybody was getting. That's what I worry about. But the issue is this. Alex Cintron, a coach, apparently, and I believe that this is true per what Bob Melvin said, he told Ramon Laureano something in Spanish that was derogatory about his mother. Or at least that's the story that comes out. You basically taunted a player by insulting his mother as a coach when your team had hit the other team five times in the series. And by the way, guess how many times A's pitchers had hit Astros batters in the series? Zero. Not once. So Ramon Laureano gets upset. He goes to first base. Cintron starts jawing, and he gives a motion to say, come on, and Laureano goes after him. Now, should Laureano have done that? Probably not. But if you say something bad about somebody's mother, something derogatory, something that's going to get your blood boiling, I don't necessarily blame him for doing that. The thing that I worry about is this. Rob Manfred has been so ass-backward on the Astros in terms of punishment levied against them during the course of the sign-stealing scandal in public view. You have to do a full investigation into this. You have to find out what Cintron said, exactly what he said to the T. And you have to suspend him for the rest of the season. You're going to suspend Laureano because he was the one that started the fight. But if you do not fully investigate Alex Cintron and throw him out for the rest of the year, then this whole thing we call Major League Baseball is a complete farce. And Rob Manfred loses any shed of dignity or integrity that he had left. If you give the Astros another pass because of this, it is absolute bullcrap. You cannot have a coach, a coach, telling a player something about his mother. That is absolutely wrong. 
And you know what? The Astros have gotten away with murder, considering everything that happened with them and what they should have been punished for. I hope that Alex Cintron gets the book thrown at him, because if what Bob Melvin says is true about what Ramon Laureano told him in that discussion between Cintron and Laureano, then there's no way, in my opinion, you can have Alex Cintron in the dugout for the rest of the year, who, by the way, should have been suspended anyway for what he did in the sign-stealing scandal. Absolute bullcrap. We will see what happens. I have zero faith in Rob Manfred to get this right. I just hope that an all-out brawl where both benches cleared does not result in COVID-19 spikes, because that's not what we need right now. But in any event, Let's recap the Astros and the A's, and let's just say, at least for Oakland, karma was in their favor. Chapman hits one deep, and that baby's gone. Five to nothing, A's lead. A's score four runs in the bottom of the third inning as they beat the Astros 7-2 at the Coliseum. Oakland has won nine in a row. They are an American League best 12-4. Astros are 6-9. They have lost five in a row. The winning pitcher, Jesus Lazardo, he is 1-0. He allows two runs on five hits in five and two-thirds innings, two walks and five strikeouts. Christian Javier takes the loss. He is 1-1. He allows five runs on three hits in three innings, two walks, and five strikeouts. Birch Smith picks up his first save. He goes three shutout innings to finish the ball game. One hit, no walks, and four strikeouts. A's got a run in the bottom of the second inning thanks to Robbie Grossman's second homer of the year. Matt Olson hit a three-run shot to give Oakland a 4-0 lead, and Matt Chapman followed with his fourth homer of the year to extend the lead to 5-0. Astros got to within three in the top of the fourth inning on a Yuli Gurriel two-run homer, but Mark Canna in the bottom of the fifth inning singled home the sixth run of the ballgame for Oakland, and Matt Chapman doubled home the seventh run in the bottom of the seventh inning. For the A's, they had seven runs on seven hits. Houston, two runs on six hits. Oakland had a two-for-three performance from Robbie Grossman, a two-for-four performance from Matt Chapman with two RBI, a one-for-four performance from Matt Olson. Marcus Simeon went one-for-four with two runs scored. For the Astros, Josh Reddick, two-for-four. Uli Gurriel, two-for-three with two RBI, a walk, and a run scored. They had four of the six hits for the Astros. We take you next to San Diego for the Diamondbacks and the Padres, where San Diego tied a record against one of the National League's most premier starting pitchers. Not usually seven home runs. No, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, Yeah, don't get me wrong. This one is in the air down the right field line towards the corner. It will go. A two-run home run for Francisco Mejia. Padres will take a 9-0 lead on home run number six of the day. We're not out of the third inning yet. That was one of the six home runs that the Padres hit today. They had six homers through the first three innings, which ties a major league record for the most amount of homers in that short of a time. Most homers through three innings in major league history is six. Padres score three in the first, three in the second, three in the third. They pound Arizona nine to five. Diamondbacks with four meaningless runs in the top of the ninth inning. Denilson LeMay gets the win. He is 2-0. He had a no-hit bid going into the seventh inning. He allows one run on one hit over six and two-thirds innings, no walks and 11 strikeouts. 
Oy, Madison Bumgarner is off to a rough start to his Diamondbacks career. He takes the loss. He is 0-3. He allows six runs on five hits, one walk, two strikeouts. He allows four homers. For the Padres, here's how the first three innings went. Manny Machado, solo homer. Will Myers, two-run homer. Bottom second, Fernando Tatis, two-run homer. Manny Machado, second homer of the game. Bottom of the third, Ty France, solo homer. Francisco Mejia, two-run homer. So the Padres score their first nine runs on six homers. Myers has five on the year. Tatis has eight on the year. Machado hits two. He's got four. France his first. Mejia his first. On the day for San Diego, Tatis two for four with two RBI and a run scored. Machado two for four with two solo homers and two runs scored. Ty France one for four with two runs scored in his home run. He also drew a walk. Will Myers two for four with two RBI and a run scored. Jerickson Profar two for three with two runs scored. Also worth noting that Mejia had two RBI and one run scored in a one for four performance. Arizona had just five hits. On the day, Cole Calhoun hit a home run. He went one for three. Andy Young went one for three with a two-run homer and a run scored. And Nick Ahmed also had himself a home run. He went one for three with two RBI. Padres are 9-7. and seven. Diamondbacks are 6-10. and ten. Another team that has gotten off to a great start is the Colorado Rockies, but they were finally slowed down today by the Seattle Mariners. Crack deep out to right field. Blackman having to chase after it. Blackman looking up, and this is gone for a home run. Number three on the season for Dylan Moore. And right away, the Mariners get on the board. Dylan Moore's two-run homer that you just heard gives the Mariners a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the first inning. They would not relinquish it as they beat Colorado 5-3. Justice Sheffield gets his first win. He is 1-2, six innings of shutout baseball, four hits, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Herman Marquez takes the loss. He is 2-2. He allows five runs, but just two of them earned on six hits over seven innings, one walk, and four strikeouts. Taylor Williams gets the save. His third, as he goes an inning and a third, one hit, no walks, and three strikeouts. Mariners pitching had 13 strikeouts in the game. Seattle scored two in the bottom of the first inning on Dylan Moore's third homer. Then in the bottom of the seventh inning, they scored three more, thanks to an Evan White sack fly, a Tim Lopes single, and a D Gordon single. Rockies got three in the top of the eighth inning, thanks to a Trevor Story single, a Matt Kemp single, and a David Dahl single, but that would be all for Colorado. Seattle had six hits in the game. Nobody had multiple hits. Moore, one for three with two RBI. Single hits for J.P. Crawford, Dylan Moore, Kyle Lewis, Tim Lopes, D. Gordon, and Joe Hudson. Colorado had seven hits. They had two hit performances from David Dahl, who went two for four, and Charlie Blackman, who went two for three. Seattle is 6-11. and 11. Colorado is 11-4. and four. We'll take you back east now for a doubleheader between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves. Swing and a drive. That's hammered down the line. It is gone. Ronald does it with one swing of the bat. And just like that, Atlanta has taken the lead. Double the fun for Atlanta. They sweep the doubleheader, beat Philadelphia 5-2 in Game 1, shut out the Phillies 8-0 in Game 2. Tyler Matzik gets the win in Game 1 for Atlanta. He is 2-0. He goes an inning and two-thirds out of the Braves' bullpen with no hits, walked two, struck out one. Deolis Guerra takes the loss. He is 1-1. One one. 
He allows two runs on two hits in a third of an inning out of the bullpen. No walks and no strikeouts. Mark Melanson picks up the save, his third. Braves scored five runs in the top of the fifth inning. Again, this is a seven-inning ball game to turn a 1-0 Phillies lead into a 5-0 Braves lead. Andrew McCutcheon got the first run for Philadelphia with an RBI ground out. Ronald Acuna hit a two-run homer to give Atlanta the lead, that highlight that you just heard. Adam Duvall then doubled with the bases loaded, scoring three runs to make it 5-1 in favor of Atlanta. In Game 2, as we said, the Braves shut out the Phillies 8-0. Max Freed gets the win. He is 3-0. He goes five innings of shutout baseball, four hits allowed, one walk, and six strikeouts. Spencer Howard takes the loss for the Phillies. He allows four runs on seven hits in four and two-thirds innings, one walk, and four strikeouts. Braves score their runs in bunches, two in the top of the third, two in the top of the fifth, and four in the top of the sixth inning. Freddie Freeman hit his third homer in the top of the third inning, a two-run shot. Ronald Acuna hit his third in the top of the fifth, a solo bomb to make it 3-0 Atlanta. Travis Darnaud doubled homer run to make it 4-0. Then in the top of the sixth inning, Acuna hit another homer, so he had three home runs during the doubleheader, a two-run blast, Freddie Freeman with an RBI double, and Marcelo Zuna with an RBI single. So a great day for Atlanta. They improved to 11-6. Phillies fall to 4-6. Now down to Tampa Bay for the Rays and the Yankees. And a base hit into right field. Rays are going to win it. Plow scores on the single in the right by Michael Perez. It's a 4-3 Rays victory, and they take three of four from New York. Michael Perez with the game winner, a walk-off in Tampa. Rays beat the Yankees 4-3. Tampa is now back to 500. They are 8-8. Yankees fall to 10-6. Winner out of the bullpen for Tampa Bay is Ryan Thompson. He is 1-0 as he goes a scoreless ninth inning. Zach Britton takes the loss for New York. He is 0-1. One run on two hits in two-thirds of an inning. One walk and no strikeouts. Yankees got a great pitching performance from James Paxton, who struck out 11 over six and a third innings, allowed three runs on four hits with just one walk. Recapping the game, the Yankees got a run in the top of the first inning on a bases-loaded hit-by-pitch of Mike Ford. They added two on in the top of the fifth inning on a fielding error by center fielder Manuel Margot as two runs scored. Tampa, though, tied the game in the bottom of the seventh inning on a Mike Brasso homer and a Brandon Lau homer. Second for Brasso, third for Lau, 3-3 the score after seven. Michael Perez came up with the walk-off single to give Tampa the 4-3 win. For the Rays offensively, Brasso goes two for four with two RBI and a run scored. Brandon Lau, one for three with an RBI and two runs scored. Jose Martinez, one for three with a run scored. Yandy Diaz, one for four. For New York, DJ LeMahieu continues to mash. He went two for four with a run scored. He was the only Yankee with multiple hits. One for three performance from Luke Voigt and a one for three performance from Glaber Torres. We now head up to City Field for the Mets and the Marlins. But the whole task of managing has changed. That's hammered down to first, and it gets by Aguilar and down the line. Jimenez on his way to second as Joyce plays it off the sidewall, and Jimenez pulls in at second base. Kill Bill. Oh, boy. Was those two terrific or what? Line the other way, and Nimmo will drive in the run.
Mets double up the Marlins 4-2 at City Field. New York is 7-9. Miami 7-3. They've lost two in a row. Jacob deGrom gets the win. He is 2-0. He allows two runs on seven hits over five innings, two walks, and six strikeouts. Pablo Lopez takes the loss for Miami. He is 1-1. He allows three runs, two earned on five hits over five innings four walks and four strikeouts. Seth Lugo gets the save for New York, his third. He pitches a scoreless ninth inning with one walk and one strikeout. Mets scored two in the bottom of the third inning thanks to a Jeff McNeil RBI groundout and a Michael Conforto grounder that was booted by Corey Dickerson, allowing a run to score. In the bottom of the fourth inning, Brandon Nimmo singled home a run to make it 3-0 New York. Jesus Aguilar cut it to a one-run ball game on a two-run homer in the top of the fifth inning, but New York got a run back on a Jeff McNeil sacrifice fly. By the way, I keep wanting to call Jeff McNeil Dan McNeil, I don't know why, but Jeff McNeil was 0 for 3 with 2 RBI today. Andres Jimenez went 3 for 4 with 3 runs scored for New York. Mets had 8 hits in the ball game. Jimenez had 3 of them. For Miami, Aguilar goes 2 for 4 with 2 RBI and a run scored. And Eddie Alvarez, who is an Olympic speed skater, goes 3 for 4. Eddie Alvarez is quite a story. I hope that he sticks in the big leagues for good. Our next stop is Pittsburgh for the Tigers and the Pirates. Here's the payoff. Smoke through the hole on the left side. Scope is going to score. Miguel Cabrera has put the Tigers in front 2-1. to one. Miguel Cabrera in his twilight years remains clutch. Tigers edge the Pirates 2-1. to one. Detroit is 8-5. Pittsburgh falls to a league-worst 3-13. Spencer Turnbull gets the win. He is 2-0. One run on five hits over seven innings, two walks and four strikeouts. Richard Rodriguez takes the loss for Pittsburgh. He is 0-1. One run on one hit over two innings, no walks and three strikeouts. Jose Jimenez with the save, his fifth. He had a perfect ninth inning for Detroit. Pittsburgh got on the board in the bottom of the fourth inning on an Eric Gonzalez RBI single. Tigers tied it in the top of the fifth inning on an Austin Romine RBI single, and then Cabrera's single in the top of the eighth made it a 2-1 ball game. Tigers had just four hits in the game. Romine had two of them as he went two for four with an RBI. The others came from Victor Reyes, who went one for two with a walk and a run scored, and Miguel Cabrera, who went one for four with the RBI. Pirates had six hits. Adam Frazier had two of them. He went two for four. Eric Gonzalez had two of them as he went two for four. On to Boston now for the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. High fly ball. That one's back there, back there, way, way back. He did it! Mitch Moreland with a walk-off home run into the monster seats. With two down in the bottom of the ninth inning, and the Red Sox win it. A walk-off two-run homer by Mitch Moreland, and the Red Sox stun the Blue Jays late 5-3. Boston is 6-9. Toronto is 5-8. Winning pitcher Matt Barnes, he improves to 1-1. He goes a scoreless inning out of the Boston bullpen with two strikeouts. Thomas Hatch takes the loss for Toronto. He is 0-1. He allows two runs on one hit. One walk and three strikeouts in an inning and two-thirds. Pair of solid pitching performances. Matt Shoemaker for Toronto. Two earned runs, three total runs on three hits over six innings. No walks and six strikeouts. Nate Evaldi for Boston. Three runs on six hits over six innings. No walks and ten strikeouts. 
Recapping the ball game, it was a back-and-forth affair early. Moreland hits his fifth homer of the year and his first of the game in the bottom of the second to make it one to nothing. Kevin Biggio ties the game with a solo shot in the top of the third, his fourth of the year, to make it a 1-1 game. Alex Verdugo reached on a fielder's choice and a run scored on an error by Shoemaker, 2-1 Boston bottom third. Vlad Guerrero Jr. tied the game with an RBI single in the top of the fourth inning, and Bo Bichette gave the Blue Jays the lead with his second homer of the year, a solo blast, in the top of the sixth inning. Rafael Devers tied the game in the bottom of the sixth inning with his second homer of the year, a solo shot, and then Moreland hits his second homer of the game and his sixth of the year, walking it off in the bottom of the ninth. Just four hits for the game for Boston. Moreland had two of them. Other hits came from Devers and Jackie Bradley Jr. For Toronto, Lourdes Gurriel went two for four. Nobody else had multiple hits for Toronto. After a hot start, the Minnesota Twins have all of a sudden gotten cold. They were in Kansas City taking on the Royals. There's a drive. Way back. And that's a goner. Home run, Michael Franco. Royals down the Twins 4-2. Kansas City improves to 7-10. Minnesota falls to 10-6. Brady Singer gets the win. He is 1-1, his first big league win. Two earned runs on five hits over five innings, two walks and four strikeouts. Jose Barrios takes the loss. He is 1-2. Four runs on eight hits over five and a third, three walks and four strikeouts. Scott Barlow with the save, his first for Kansas City. He goes one scoreless inning to close out the ball game. Royals scored two in the bottom of the first inning on a two-run single from Hunter Dozier. Max Kepler made it a one-run ball game with an RBI double, and Jorge Polanco tied the game with an RBI ground out in the top of the third inning. But the Royals got the lead right back thanks to a Salvador Perez sacrifice fly, and Michael Franco hit his fourth homer of the year to extend the lead to 4-2. Kansas City had eight hits in the ball game. Top of the lineup was solid. Jorge Soler goes two for three with a run scored. Whit Merrifield one for three with two runs scored. Salvador Perez one for two with an RBI and a walk. Hunter Dozier one for four with two RBI. Michael Franco one for four with a solo homer. For Minnesota, Nelson Cruz goes two for four. He had two of their seven hits. Only multi-hit game for a Twins player. Next stop, Milwaukee, where the Brewers got some late offense to put a pummeling on the Reds. And smoke in the air, left field, it's down, a base hit. One run is in, Yelich, Morrison right behind him, he will score. Two RBI single for Smoke. A six-run sixth inning for Milwaukee as they come back to beat the Reds 9-3. Brent Suter gets the win out of the bullpen. He is 2-0. He goes two scoreless innings in relief of Brandon Woodruff, who allowed two runs on three hits over four innings. Sonny Gray takes his first loss. He is 3-1. He allows four runs on six hits over five and a third, three walks and seven strikeouts. No save in the ballgame. Reds walked seven in this one. Cincinnati takes a 1-0 lead in the top of the first inning on a Jesse Winker RBI single. Christian Yelich ties the game in the bottom of the third inning with an RBI triple. Winker then homers to give Cincinnati a 2-1 lead in the top of the fourth, but then the floodgates open. Manny Pena ties the game with an RBI single, then Keston Hiura gives the Brewers the lead with an RBI single of his own, 3-2 the score at that point. Then back-to-back bases-loaded walks by Christian Yelich and Logan Morrison to make it a 5-2 ball game, and then Justin Smoke with a two-run single that scored two runs. 
Bottom seven pair of homers for the crew. Keston Hiura, a solo shot, his third. Christian Yelich, a solo shot, his fourth. Reds got a single run in the top of the ninth inning on a Freddie Galvez single, but it was far too late. For Milwaukee, Keston Hiura goes two for three. Check that three for five. I don't know where I was reading that. With two RBI and two runs scored, Christian Yelich goes two for three with a homer, three RBI, two runs scored, and two walks. Logan Morrison goes 0 for 3, but he walks twice, has an RBI, and scores a run. Justin Smoke 3 for 5 with 2 RBI and a run scored. Jesse Winker goes 3 for 5 for Cincinnati with 2 RBI and 2 runs scored. Nobody else had a multi-hit game for the Reds. Next place we go is Texas for the Angels and the Rangers. And while this highlight we're about to play for you does not actually have an impact on the outcome of the game, it was just too odd and bizarre not to throw in there. 1-1. One, one. And this in the air out to right field. Adele was in, angling back. He gets there. Whoa! And he just put it right over the fence. Like a setter in volleyball. <laughs> he just pushed it right over. And Solak will take the home run, his first of the year. It's 6-2. to two. So despite the call you hear on the broadcast, that was not actually a homer. It was ruled as a four-base error because the official score determined that Joe Adele should have had the ball. And if you look at the replay, and I encourage you to go do so on Twitter, it hit the middle of his glove and went over the wall. That should have been a catch, just a very bad bounce, and goes in the books as a four-base error, which I don't ever think I've seen before. Rangers beat the Angels 7-3. Texas is 6-8. Anaheim is 5-11. Winning pitcher Lance Lynn, he is 2-0. He allows two runs on four hits over five innings, three walks, and six strikeouts. Andrew Haney takes the loss for Anaheim. He is 1-1. Five runs on eight hits over three and two-thirds innings, no walks, and four strikeouts. No save in the ballgame. Texas gets their first run in the bottom of the third inning on an Isaiah Kiner-Falefa RBI double. In the bottom of the fourth, Rangers score four. Rugnet Odor with an RBI single, Elvis Andrus with an RBI single, and Sin Su Chu with a two-RBI single. Tommy LaStella makes it a 5-2 ball game with a two-run homer in the top of the fifth, his first. Then that play that you just heard, the Nick Solak four-base error. Rather, it's Joe Adele that made the error. Nick Solak scores on the error to make it 6-2. Brian Goodwin with an RBI ground out, 6-3 Texas. And then Ty Buttry throws a wild pitch, and Solak scores, 7-3 Texas, the final. For the Rangers in the ball game, a big day offensively for Solak. He goes 2-for-4 with three runs scored. I think he probably should have been 3-for-4. Not so sure that you can call that a four-base error or a homer. Watch the clip. You'll decide for yourself. Elvis Andrews goes two for four with an RBI and a run scored. Rangers had all of their runs scored from the bottom five in the lineup. For Anaheim, Shohei Otani goes two for three with a run scored. Tommy LaStella one for four with two RBI. A rare 0 for four day for Mike Trout. We're almost done, folks. We'll go to Chicago next where it took extra innings to finish between the Indians and the White Sox. Extra innings game this year. DeShields bunting, and the squeeze play works. Got to love a good squeeze play. Delano DeShields Jr. does it perfectly. Mike Freeman would add on an RBI single in the top of the 10th inning to extend the lead to 5-3. White Sox got one run in the bottom of the 10th inning, 
but they could not prevail as the Indians win 5 to 4. Cleveland is 10 and 7. White Sox fall to 500. They are 8 and 8. Phil Matan gets the win. He is 1 and 0. He goes a scoreless inning out of the bullpen for Cleveland. The loser is Jimmy Cordero as he allows two runs, one earned on two hits in one inning of work. The save goes to Oliver Perez. Yes, that Oliver Perez, who is now 38 years of age. I cannot believe that Oliver Perez is still in the big leagues. His first save of the season. This was a good game early. White Sox got on the board in the bottom of the second inning on Jose Abreu's third homer of the year, a solo blast. Cleveland, though, scored two in the top of the third on a Cesar Hernandez RBI double and a Jose Ramirez RBI single. Bottom six, White Sox take the lead back thanks to a James McCann solo homer and a Yasmani Grandal RBI double, 3-2 Chicago at that point. Indians tie the game top eight on a Franmil Reyes double, and then Cleveland scores the two runs we talked about and the White Sox counter with just one. White Sox spoil a great outing from Lucas Giolito, who allows two runs on four hits over seven innings. He walked five, but he struck out nine. Cleveland had Shane Bieber on the bump. He allowed three runs on four hits over six innings, two walks, and eight strikeouts. Indians pitching had 16 strikeouts in this game. For Cleveland, Cesar Hernandez goes two for four with an RBI. Mike Freeman, two for five with an RBI and a run scored. Carlos Santana goes one for two with two runs scored and three walks. For Chicago, James McCann goes three for four with two RBI. He was the only player in the White Sox lineup to have multiple hits. Final game of our afternoon is the Dodgers and the Giants from Chavez Ravine. Two on two ads for the Dodgers. They've been quiet. And Pollock lifts it to left. Dickerson gives it a look. It's gone! Well, there's the offense. Pollock for three, and the Dodgers grab the lead. Dodgers score three in the bottom of the seventh inning and three in the bottom of the eighth as they beat the Giants 6-2 to two at Dodger Stadium. Dodgers are 11-5. Giants are 7-10. and 10. Jake McGee gets the win out of the Dodger bullpen. He goes a perfect one inning of work. He is 1-0. Tyler Rogers takes the loss for San Francisco. He is 1-3. He allows two runs on two hits in a third of an inning, no walks and one strikeout, no save in the ballgame. Giants pulled their starter, Kevin Gaussman, after just 80 pitches. He went six and a third innings, one run on three hits, no walks and six strikeouts. Gabe Kapler, the guy had 80 pitches. Keep him in there. Walker Bueller, a no decision for L.A. He made the start. Two runs on one hit over five and two-thirds innings, four walks, and six strikeouts. Giants got two runs in the top of the fifth inning on a Mike Yastrzemski two-RBI single. Bottom seven, though, A.J. Pollock, that call you just heard, a three-run homer, his fourth, to make it 3-2 L.A., and then Mookie Betts with a three-run homer, his fourth, to make it 6-2 Dodgers. Dodgers had seven hits in the game, two of them coming from A.J. Pollock as he goes two for three with three RBI and a run scored. Nobody else for L.A. had multiple hits, single hits for Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, and Max Muncy. Also, Kike Hernandez had a hit. For the Giants, Mike Yastrzemski had one hit, Donovan Solano had the other hit, and that was it for San Francisco. We'll give you the preview of today's ball games, but one thing of note, we did not include the score from the Nationals and Orioles game, and that is because that game was suspended in the top of the sixth inning with Baltimore leading 5-2. to two. That game is going to be completed at Camden Yards on Friday with Washington serving as the home team. 
Now, the funny thing about this is that more than likely, they probably could have continued to play after the rain, but the Nationals grounds crew got the tarp tangled, and they couldn't get the tarp on the field because they screwed up the tarp roll. So the field got too wet for them to be able to play, and thus the game was lost. So shout out to all of you minor league baseball groundskeepers. It finally happened in the bigs where the tarp got screwed up. What in the hell are you doing? It's a Monday, so always a lighter slate of games. Let's start in Philadelphia. 6.05 Eastern time, 11-6 Braves at the 4-6 Phillies. Sean Newcomb for Atlanta. He's 0-1 with a 6.57 ERA against Aaron Nola for Philly. He is 0-1 with a 3.97 ERA. 7.10 Eastern time, 4-7 Nationals at the 7-9 Mets. Patrick Corbin for Washington, 1-0 with a 3 ERA. Steven Matz for New York, 0-2 with a 5.65. 7-10 at Comerica Park. White Sox at 8-8. Tigers at 8-5. Dallas Keuchel, 2-1 with a 2.55 for Chicago. He goes for the White Sox. Michael Fulmer, no record at 13-5 ERA. He is the starter for Detroit. 7.30 Eastern time in Boston. 8-8 Rays at the 6-9 Red Sox. Ryan Yarbrough for Tampa. 0-2 0-2 with a 3.780 array, starter yet to be announced for Boston. 10-6 and six twins at the 6-7 and seven Brewers. Randy Dobnak for Minnesota, 2-1 with a .60 ray. Adrian Hauser for Milwaukee, 1-0 with a .75 earned run average. 6.40 Mountain Time, the Rockies at 11-4, hosting the Diamondbacks at 6-10. Robbie Ray for Arizona, 1-2 with a 9.45 against John Gray, 0-1 with a 3-3-1 for Colorado. 6-11 Mariners at the 6-8 Rangers. That is at 7.05 Mountain Time. Justin Dunn for Seattle, 0-1 with a 6-4-3. Kyle Gibson for Texas, 0-1 with a 2-4-5. 8-10 Central Time in Houston. 7-10 Giants at the 6-9 Astros. Once again, no starter announced for San Francisco. More than likely will be Logan Webb. Lance McCullers for Houston, 1-1 with a 9-2-2 ERA. 9-40 Eastern, 6-40 Pacific at Chavez Ravine. 9-7 Padres at the 11-5 Dodgers. Garrett Richards for San Diego, he's 0-1 with a 4-6 ERA. Dustin May for L.A., 1-0 with a 2-6-3. Angels are hosting the A's. A's are 12-4, Angels are 5-11, 6-40 Pacific time. Sean Manaya for Oakland, he is 0-2 with an ERA above 8. Julio Tehran for Anaheim is 0-1 with a 6-7-5. Pirates and Cardinals are canceled due to COVID-19. The Cardinals are going to have a lot of games that they have to make up. That's going to do it here on MLB Morning Coffee. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll catch you tomorrow morning.